Hello, welcome to another EMA cast. My name is John Bradbury, I work in the Peakport Experience team here at the EMA. And uh, one thing that's come up a lot for uh, organisations over the last year has been about how to better retain and attract people and what to do about things like their value proposition for their employees. So um, I'm very pleased to have with me today uh, Simon Batters, who's the General Manager of People and Safety uh, at The Lines Company, who's been doing a lot of work in this area recently. Um, so I think really to start things off, maybe Simon, just tell us a bit about yourself and your background in, in HR, and then we'll move on to talking specifically about The Lines Company. Oh, thanks, John. Thanks for having me uh, on your cast. Um, so I'm Simon Battis. I'm, um, I've been working at The Lines Company now for about eight months. But my, my background is in uh, people and culture. I've been in the profession uh, for 20 years now, or coming up 20 years, uh, and really specialised in staying generalist. Um, so anything from you know, recruitment, performance development, those sorts of uh, areas. And uh, the, the real focus lately uh, on EVP and the employee experience and how to really bring that to life in a meaningful way and a practical way for, um, for your employees as a huge focus uh, and really topical and it's actually some of the most exciting work that uh, that I've done over the last 20 years. Very good. So, um, you know, where you mentioned you've been at the Lions Company sort of eight, eight months. Mm. Um, so what, what were the things that you sort of noticed when, when you first went there that you thought these are these are things that are going to be the challenges for us? Yeah, uh, interesting. Like I've come from, um, well, predominantly the mental health sector prior to this. I've been there for, were in that um, sector for 10 years. And when you move across into other industries, you sort of you notice um, in the in the HR space how universal the themes are of what people need and want in their workplace. Uh, the experience of it can be quite different, and the context obviously very different. Um, but yeah, what really stood out is um, all the traditional things. So we really need uh, great leaders. We need to focus on what makes a workplace engaging. We need to understand from our people's perspective what they value the most and how to translate that. Um, those things that we sort of know from the evidence um, into something that feels genuine and authentic for people who why they want to identify and stay in this place in particular. Um, and in the, in the Lions Company, you know, we're based in um, the King Country, so predominantly Tikuiti and Tomaranui, and so there's a really strong local connection. Uh, but how we adapt to the wider world, remote working, flexible working, etc., um, they're the themes that jumped out. Right. Okay. So you talk about sort of uh, authenticity mm. and the employee experience, and um, what 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 did you start to? How did you sort of start this work? Then you know you'd notice these things. Mm. What were your sort of first steps in trying to you know get attention from that from perhaps your board of directors or? Yeah, well, I was really fortunate actually that the um, the previous uh, GM had. Um, that I'd stepped to the role from uh, had sort of brought it to the attention of the organisation and I, I'm not sure if it was a bit of a groundswell um, or something that Sue had introduced uh, and fronted to start with but it just resonated really true. We're, we're very fortunate with our board where they uh, fundamentally get um, that we need to look after our people um, and also 
maybe because of the geographic isolation, a little bit of the business, but you know, with the current employment market as it is, and how long it takes to develop people, you know, uh, electricians and linesmen, that sort of work takes you know years of training and it has to be on the job training. So they already know fundamentally that they're not quick fixes to get into your workforce. So uh, as I say, really fortunate the board fundamentally got it. The leadership team. Um, wanted to but weren't sure how so yeah as as a start point uh, it's really great to walk into that environment knowing that they're just after answers and ways of doing it Um, and then our first step was really to sort of frame it up into some kind of relatable look define this is what we're looking at and get that in front of the the senior leadership team and the board then um, to say look this is what we're proposing to go forward uh, and get their so they had knowing, yeah, you know, they knew what they were then sort of um, supporting and endorsing. Mm. Right. So it sounds like yeah, you're starting to sort of paint a picture for the yeah. yeah. And the main issue that you seem to talk about was about retention of staff. And to tell me why that was particularly important. You've mentioned the geographic isolation. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a bit more. Well, I think it. Yeah, we always talk about attracting people into our business and things. It's a classic sales thing, right? If you're attracting people in but you're losing them at the back end, uh, you're not getting any further. In fact, you're weakening because uh, you're losing all that organisational knowledge and that um, sort of um, all those connections that people have formed. There's a real loss when people leave. So, So retention, you know, it's great to have a growth strategy, and we do. But it has to be built on a solid foundation of retaining people. And you know, why do people want to stay? Why do they want to stay loyal to your organisation? What is it about here that they think that they can do their best work? Um, there's a lot of uniqueness in that for every organisation. And so we're really interested in discovering that and being able to articulate it clearly to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, the foundation of that is that you want to keep your people. Um, and we know through COVID and even before that, it was a really difficult uh, employment market. Our geographic isolation means we're not drawing from a big population. There's a lot that's attractive about the region for sure, um, but working with what you have now uh, is far more effective uh, and a really good foundation to attract people into as well. And so, you know, to what extent do you think the challenges that you had as a company be similar to uh, other utilities companies, for example, or to other employers in, in your location? Do you think others would be wrestling with similar issues or yeah i think those probably in i mean in every region you're going to have largely the same challenges Mm. you know it's there's not enough quality skilled people out there for the volume of work that you have now let alone your growth and we know you know one of the biggest challenges in work at the moment is the busyness and the feeling of overwhelm for people Uh, our sector um won't be entirely unique, but one of the key things about our sector is um, correcting the underinvestment and the infrastructure. So there's lots of work to do to make a good, reliable uh, network now. And obviously the growth in the electricity sector, you know, the move to EVs, those sorts of things. We know um, uh, with decarbonisation, um, more sustainability, all those sorts of things that our, our sector is going to grow a lot. Uh, and it's fundamentally good work, you know, so it's really attractive. But there's lots of providers and there's lots of nuance within the sector itself. And so, um, you know, I think they'll largely be wrestling with the same thing. Not enough skilled workers, very specific work, not easy to learn and just drop in. Um, and then the uniqueness of each of those regions, um, 
yeah, come into play as well makes it challenging. Mm. Absolutely. So that challenge that is there for everyone about uh, attracting people and retaining people plays out in particular ways for you and makes mm. retention really, really important. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the key ones is that, you know, being able to, you can't just ring in a workforce. You can't outsource a lot of this because it's it's hands-on work. And, um, and so getting people to want to stay and work here, um, you really have to focus on what it is as an employer that you're doing to make it worth their, their while. I think there's been a real, not power shift, but I think for a long time employers haven't treated employees particularly well. Uh, and, you know, with this real skill shortage and, um, and obviously with uh, immigration and things being restricted for the last few years, it's put, it's restored and tipped the balance of power more to the employees where they realise that they're valuable and they have options um, and employer employers need to notice that and respond attention uh, accordingly. Okay, so it sounds like you're talking about a wider trend then around a way of addressing issues is actually for employers to start listening to their to their employees yeah, better yeah, and to course. think about mm. what what it is they need. Um, clearly, you can't identify every single individual's every <laughs> sing, every single sort of need. Yeah. But um, how, how did you go about like really finding out and feeling sure that you got it right? Yeah. What what your employees need. Oh, obviously we engage the EMA um, and I think having a voice, you know, having some independence um, was really, really helpful for us and, you know, Kirsty was fantastic. Um, so a big part of it was making the time and space for people to talk to us, uh, having structure to it, so not just, you know, casual conversations alone um, and, you know, provoking some thinking but you know, deeply inquiring from them what they love about here, what's good about here, um, and then as some of the workshops evolved and the interviews evolved, it was this is what's happening in other places. What would you really value? But when we you know did the discussions over time, you know, themes emerged, um, and yeah, you, know, you want to give your people a bloody good listening to, you know, like, and I don't think that's a, you know, you could have just pick and mixed a whole suite of things and drop them. And it would never be as valuable as uh, making that connection of we asked you, we spent time with you, you explained to us, you said, and this is what we've taken away from that. And now this is what we're going to follow up with. I think the process of it is is as important as the result of it. Oh, that's interesting that you say that. So it sounds like just by doing the work that you were starting to feel engagement increasing from people and your understanding of your people growing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you think about it in any sort of part of your work, when you are asked for your opinion, particularly about the work that you're doing in the environment that you live in, um, and being asked and uh, engaged in and get to share and being sort of validated and understood through that, it's just such a human thing to do. And it's so valuable. And so often, you know, we're about pushing information out and telling people what they need. Um, so that process, I think, will set this should be a real legacy type of uh, and foundational work. Um, and, you know, it's none of it's original, but it's about taking the time to understand and go through that process with your people. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about it kind of take, taking time. Clearly, you used a variety of different ways to get sort of a, a people's opinions and views. Mm. Sort of what specifically, what sort of things worked well at getting people's views and how long did this take? Yeah, well, we, we had a really tight process with um, with Kirsty through the EMA. We had sort of, yeah. I think it was seven or eight weeks. Um, 
But before that, obviously, we've had staff surveys, and so we uh, understood that there was a gap uh, in particular areas. So the survey was something to help discover. Um, but yeah, the, the process itself of uh, one, engaging the EMA, working with Kirsty, structuring uh, workshops and focus groups, one-to-one -one interviews, uh, so follow-up questionnaires, um, and then making sure we reflected back to the working group uh, in really um, structured ways, uh, schedule time. Uh, at the heart of all of that was just really decent conversations, you know, and things, you know, all the data from your surveys and things is really useful to help focus, um, but but not essential, but it, 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 it got us to a good place more quickly. Um, so this is what you've said, let's explore that a little more. Uh, and then introducing what's happening in the outside world through that process. Um, and Kirsty was great making it very visual. You know, we had walls posted up with, um, hey, these are other organisations, um, EVPs, these are other things that are happening out here. Here are some facts, here are some myths, and here's what, you know, and this is how we know them to be myths. Um, and that sharpened up a lot of conversations and challenged a couple of people because, you know, they held them really deeply. Uh, and examples, we're losing so many people to Australia. Uh, and at this stage, we actually hadn't. There'd been a couple for sure, um, but it wasn't quite as substantial as people sort of held it up to be. Right. So one of those things where uh, a very small incident has somehow become a kind of myth and legend that yeah. it's some, something bigger. Yeah. yeah. And it, look, it could easily signal what is coming for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and we know that that's it's not an unattractive proposition, but it wasn't it wasn't as big a priority yeah. uh, or as big a driver as probably what we had assumed. And, you know, we're like the rest of the world, just sort of fall into the trap of reading the headlines uh, and the theme of those. And they can be a little bit sensationalist and not actually grounded in, look, if we focus too much on that, we would miss a bigger thing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I'm kind of intrigued in, uh, you know, you, you personally got a lot of experience mm -hmm. in HR, a lot of experience in, in organisations. Um, and then you're, you're doing you're doing this survey. Was there anything in the organisation? Was there anything that particularly stood out as a surprise to you, or anything that was particularly noteworthy that you thought, ah, oh, that's really not what I was expecting, or that really, yeah. You know? Well, um, yes and no. So the the themes that came out um, weren't surprising at mm. all, except one, which was delivering for our community. And actually, as I stand back and think about it. Um, because we are a smaller community where the um, you know, main office and main workforce is based, um, yeah, they have deep roots with their families, and um, and so the community. But as a as a you know, as an organisation wanting to deliver for its community and to stand by and add value to the community, that that was articulated so clearly by so many people. Um, yeah. That, that stood out to me, maybe not surprised, but really stood out. And I was, I was really um, encouraged by it too, because it sort of spoke to our workforces want to do more for their community than just turn up and do their job. Um, and yeah, and that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, that sounds a very, uh, you know, commendable thing, a warm thing for an mm. organisation to stand for. And also what I, I think when I reflect on that is that so often with EVP work, um, it's easy to look at other organisations and say, well, that EVP is really good. We'll just take that yeah. for, for ourselves. Yeah. Whereas it, the real gold in it is finding what's unique and different about your organisation. Yeah, 100% true. And the other part in the process of discovering it with them, um, making 
sure that it's genuinely um, understood by them that what you tell us is important and we're not going to do anything until we hear what you say. Um, Because, again, it's you could just drop in a suite of solutions, look at what the evidence is sort of globally and and in local markets, what competitors are doing, and you'll get close to the mark, you know, and it probably wouldn't be radically different than what we are going to provide and, and put forward to our people. But you've cheapened it. You know, you haven't really um, gone to the extent of taking the time and, and demonstrating that you care about what they say to you. Um, and so it wouldn't, I don't think it would be as effective. So that process of having discussion with people, deep diving with them, they're reflecting back with yep. them, you know, in, in, in managerial jargon, it's kind of creating buy-in, yep. I guess, yep. to it. Um, you know, but be, beyond that, uh, just talk about the what you see as the benefits of that level of engagement and how that helps you as a, a you know leading the people and culture team, people and safety team. Yeah, well, well you know, I look, I love evidence based practices. Mm-hmm. I'm very, um, um, I don't, I get a bit tired of the fickle stuff that comes along, and these are going to be the, the next best thing. And so much of what holds true is you have to just understand us as human beings and what's true for me as an individual is probably going to be quite true for a lot of other individuals. Um, and so the act of being listened to, of being someone taking the time to see you in your workspace and understand what's really important to you. And even when you introduce some good questions sometimes and you clarify for them um, or help them clarify their own thinking and engage in that process together uh, is is really powerful um, and so so that gave a certainty around look we've heard what people have said we can group it in this way we can share back and as we've shared with the focus groups and things we've had um, really good support and buy-in that they like that um, so it just encourages us that we're on the right path so we won't need to change too much or modify too much um, so we can be more confident and I think that's um, that really helps us with our planning ahead and also for the solutions we don't need to be you know, suddenly changing because we haven't quite got it right. Um, of course, we want to be make sure we still listen after we've introduced. Um, but yeah, I'm much more confident that what we will provide to our people is what they really would value. So you sound like you're saying there that, you know, we've done this work. We we know we gained engagement and information through doing it. We, we we're, kind of, we're kind of able, I guess, at this moment, we're in a process of a bit of a reset that you have things that you're planning to do or have done. Um, and it sounds like you see it as an ongoing process as well. It's not just a one-off. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the hope is, because that, you know you think, you know, I've worked in lots of places. Where we've introduced stuff, dropped it onto the next project, and, and of course, there's always more to do. But I think if you identify what's really important for your people, um, and we need to focus the most on, and you know, keep iterating and improving that, um, there's some. I think I really believe that you know that consistency beats intensity. I know it's a bit of a yeah. cheesy quote, but it, it's so like if you look at saying well, this is what's important, let's continue to improve uh, and not move on too quickly. Uh, I think that's a good opportunity to um, you know to really build something that's lasting. Right. Okay. So I mean, you paint a picture here as sort of an organisation that's very positively moving forward. You've got a progressive board. You leadership team was kind of interested at the beginning you know was there any sort of resistance or any any difficult stages in this project for you yeah um 
I mean, obviously, you're asking for more money, um, and so when you start breaking down the costs of things, you know, you've got to you know confront reality. So it was really more around what would, should we prioritise. So, you know, people said they'd like these things or these um, these areas to explore. There's a range of options. What should we do? And so, you know, basically, for sorting the sorts of things that you can do, um, but uh, yeah. I'd, it was surprisingly easy um, right. to, and one of the reasons I think it was is because we had been so thorough in our preparation. And you know, I, I can't uh, emphasise how helpful, emphasise enough how helpful Kirsty was in shaping this up with us. Um, it became so clear and obvious, and then was also able to group under these are the things actually we already do, and this is how it aligns. When we add these on, it just made sense, and you know, we had. The board never blinked once at any of that work and the stuff that we shared with SLT, it was almost like, yeah, of course, um, because it makes sense to us, it, it rung true. So again, that gives us a lot of confidence. Mm. Very good. So you started this work, effectively, it sounds like eight months ago as you walked in the door mm. or you started thinking about it as soon as you got there. Um, how would you evaluate the achievement of it to date? I mean, do you feel I'm really pleased with what we've got to, or we could have got a bit further, or what's your, what's your sense? Oh, look, you always want to do more and more quickly because obviously you've, there's a laundry list of other things you want to get into as well. I'm really pleased that where we've got to, it's all ready to go. It's around timing of announcements, um, making sure that um, structure of things behind works well. So obviously, you know, hypothetically, if you're changing things in terms of employment agreements and things, there's a lot of letter preparation, variation stuff to do, make sure your systems and accountabilities are. So that's been, uh, you know, frustratingly slow, um, but it's all, we want to make sure it's robust and works well. So, you know, if you offer a new benefit and people apply and say, oh, sorry, we're not ready to actually give it to you yet. Uh, yeah. We don't want to be in, in that uh, state. So. You're slowing down to get things right. Uh, right. And then also, how do we build good momentum and tell the stories of how it's used and what difference it's made over time? Um, that they're good opportunities, so we want to make sure we're set up well to do it. But yeah, oh, what I would have liked it to be out a month or two ago, but there's some um, you know, other factors we need to kind of account for in there. Oh yeah, the world keeps turning, things, mm. get, things keep happening that yeah. are out of our control. Um, but it sounds like, yeah, you've come a long way, you're at a point of managing it, some expectations that sound around things, deciding how do we make sure we really do this well rather yeah. than just pick it up as a, as a project. I mean, um, you know, if you took, you know, the end of this year, all the signs are it's going to get pretty sticky e economically. Um, yeah. You know, lots of people are sort of say, saying that. Um, how do you think this work is going to help you in as things get more turbulent in the economy? Yeah, uh, it's a really challenging economy looking ahead. And, you know, what's that expression sort of uh, economists have successfully predicted 11 of the last three recessions. And, and so we know that uh, things are going to get more challenging, but we also know there's always going to be a, a massive challenge to uh, retain and attract skilled um, workers. We know retention and turnover and you know, all the data about was it uh, one in four uh, New Zealanders or in the workforce are looking to change jobs in the next 12 months. So all of those sorts of predictors are saying it's still going to be tough to attract and retain good people. So to me it's just fundamental. Um, so I think uh, regardless of the headwinds or the external climate, looking after your people, valuing them, creating a, a work experience and a work environment 
uh, that they feel valued and helps them do their best work uh, should survive all the sort of um, headwinds of a tough economy because you know, when things get hard, you need your people most engaged. Um, and so, yeah, it's easy to do well when things are going well. So it sounds like you're saying there's a bit of future-proofing what you're doing is that this is not just about something that's solving immediate issues. It's something that's going to... Yeah. S- yeah. yeah, and look, and why we you know, engaged the EMA because we wanted to do this fundamentally well um, because it's not supposed to be like a whimsical thing. It's not a, hey, we've just done it in our mood and because we can put in our ads that we've got a good value proposition for our employees. We want to say this rings true to us. This is authentic to us. This is what our people value. And if you're attracted by this, this is probably a place where you would uh, thrive as well. Um, so do it right, you know, and don't rush through it. Um, but it actually doesn't take that long anyway because you're asking your people for what already exists in there uh, and what's important to them. And then, not repackaging, that sounds a bit salesy, but reorganising and stating it really clearly what it is and these are the things we want to offer and these are the new things that we'll add um, to make you feel valued, to understand your worth for us as an organisation and to uh, keep you here and to attract new people here as well. So, I mean, um, you know, in, in, a, in a sort of geographically remoter community mm. and smaller community, you've talked about the importance of giving back to the community. It's also being sort of attractive into the community. So I'm guessing one of the things you might want to get out of this is that sort of idea that people will talk positively mm. the organisation socially to people and encourage that would encourage others to join. What, what sort of things would you imagine people might say about working for the Lions Company? What would you <laughs> like them to be saying? Yeah, well, what, what do you you think <laughs> what, I, what I'd like them to be saying. I love that kind of uh, way of framing it. You know, you, you know, what are they going to talk about at the barbecue yes, when they yeah, catch yeah. up with people? And you want them to say that it's a really good place to work. They look after you. Um, they support your development and growth. Um, and you, you know, you you get looked after in the fundamental stuff really well. You know, pay benefits, um, those sorts of things. Are I mean, they're table stakes. So the next thing is. It's a, we have a great lifestyle and a great culture, and so working here supports your lifestyle, and that is one of the parts of living in a smaller community. We know that's really important. Um, but there's opportunities to grow. Yeah, you know, we grow and develop, and there's varied work, um, and and there are a good bunch of people, um, and our work makes a difference. And so I'm really proud of working here. They are the sorts of things you want to uh, yeah, yeah you want people to be talking about your business mm. absolutely and you know to talk about what it means means for them and it sounds like you're thinking very much of those different groups and what what might might appeal to people what about from the from the other side of things um you know thinking about your directors for example you say they'd be very supportive and yeah. engaged <clears throat> you know what, what what's going to be their measure of success of this Pro- probably quite similar I mean obviously you know hard metrics of you know reduced turnover um, length of service in the business our reputation um, engagement survey results those sorts of things that they'll they'll want those um, and I think you know every really touched on this but safety so because I think if people have uh, have a great work experience the nature of our business you know you're working with high voltage electricity and things but people that feel really valued and supported and highly engaged, you know, they operate in a safer way. So we would we would actually expect our safety stats to improve. Um, you know, we do well in that space anyway. But we should be uh, we want to keep getting better. Um, 
And yeah, our board's also quite uh, involved in getting uh, out into the workforce, We're seeing that more and more, and you know, site visits and things. So we would want anecdotal conversations and you know the the casual conversations for people to feel quite comfortable saying, "I really love working here," or you know, "I feel really looked after." Um, so they're the sorts of things. You know, obviously the hard hard data and facts and um, reduced turnover and improved safety stats and things, but actually in the conversations, people genuinely genuinely reflecting that they like working here and they wouldn't want to work anywhere else. Yeah, and making sure those conversations are genuine ones about what's really happening and it's not the myths and legends anymore, yeah. which are the things yeah. that Yeah, are. for sure. Mm. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of congruency between what you're, uh, you're looking at for your directors to be saying to actually what you're talking about your staff saying in the sense of, you know, talking positively of the organisation, being, being advocates or ambassadors for the organisation too. Yeah, look, I mean, in more general terms, I think in an environment, you want people to be able to be reflecting up what's really happening and what's really happening is good. I mean, I've seen lots of environments where people talk um, positively up yeah. uh, and it's not actually the truth. Yeah. And so as human beings and as organisations, we can fix whatever's in front of us if we know what the reality is. And so I want that, that we have an environment where the reality is spoken about the reality is good, but with anything that's challenging, that's safe to talk about that, and then you can so we can get on and, and fix it or improve it. That's, that's, that's fascinating because that actually ties right back to one of the first things you said. You're wanting people to talk the truth, and, yeah. And at the very beginning, you talked about authenticity being so so important, and yeah. those those tie together incredibly well. I think. Well, I think authenticity and you know phrases along the lines of yeah. authenticity get thrown around, and um, but. It's not until you can have someone at the front line talk uh, quite matter-of-factly to like a board board level um, and and not worry about repercussions or or have any thought to it that you could say that actually we're absolutely living what we're talking about um, and that, that's the stage that you know I, I think you know, we're close to um, and hopefully that everyone feels like that as well in the workplace because you know if you're hiding that information or don't, or don't feel it's right to speak up, then you know, that's pretty inefficient to start with. And it's it's not a culture or environment where you feel you can, you can be your best uh, at a workplace. Fantastic. Thank you. I mean, you certainly make the uh, Lions Company sound a very attractive place to work in terms of the cu- culture there. And, um, I, and I really like the descriptions that you've given of the work that's mm. taken place. So as, as a final question, what, you know, another HR manager sitting in another uh, organisation of a similar sort of size somewhere in, in, in North Island, what, <laughs> what, what, it doesn't have to be local to you, but, or your industry, but, you know, what would be your advice to them? What would be, you know, what, what do they need to do now to address their, their challenges in terms of attraction or, or retention of people? Yeah, oh, a huge question. But I think the answers are, are really quite simple. You know, not easy, but you need to um, get spend time and hear what your people are telling you is, is important to them, what they love about working at the place, because too often we focus on, you know, what's lacking or what's not good enough. Um, what we need to keep doing, what's lacking and what's really important to you, and design solutions around that, because we know exactly... Yeah, any HR practitioner can pretty much uh, look up and know what the fundamentals are, what makes a good workplace. So it really is connecting and what resonates with your people and actually doing something uh, and connecting with them and making sure you deliver some things that are tangible to them. Um, 
but it's so basic. I mean, that, it's hardly going to be a life-changing advice you're yeah. throwing out there, is it? Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a simple it, it's a simple thing when you explain like that, but it is hard to do, as we know from the work that, that you've yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'd like to thank you very much for taking us through it. I mean, it was really interesting to, to hear the, about, about the journey that you've done. So um, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to do that and for the work you've done and good luck with the ongoing work and the announcements that you need to make in relation to that. So, um, and obviously, you know, for other, other people listening, um, we do uh, have resources to, to help on, on this. And, um, but we'd like to thank Simon very much for coming in to talk through the Lions Company journey. And we look forward to joining us for another EMA cast.